Will we, we will we be halted in the semi-final, or are the Matildas destined to lift the trophy on home soil? Oh my goodness! It's uh, we, again, we don't want to dream too much. We want to stay realistic. We want to keep our feet on the ground here after what has been a dramatic, dramatic result. <laughs> Okey-dokey, artichokey, here we go with another episode of the Four Man Wall, a podcast on Australian football slash soccer at its finest. I'm your host, Tashan, coming at you live with a heart that still hasn't quite recovered from last Saturday, and the second voice you'll hear is that of a man who just made toast. I want to know what kind of bread he uses. On X, his player scopes here, he is Damon Serra. On X, yeah, far, yeah, that's a new one. Uh, well, it was white. And Ooh. with some Nutalex and a little bit of Vegemite on top. <laughs> Wasn't expecting the Nutalex call. I'm not going to lie to you, Dave. Yeah, the Nutalex. Wow. Healthy. What brand of what brand of white? Uh, home. <laughs> I think a home. It was a home brand. So uh, I think it was from a yeah, fruit wow. shop, actually. <laughs> so it was their, fruit shops their, are known for good their home homemade or home sourced bread. You beauty. Uh, and last but not least, joining us today in this impromptu episode of the Four Man Wall is none other than friend of the show, the Merchant of Hume. It's Matt. Yeah, straight up the bat, I've just got to say a hashtag not my ex. I refuse to call it anything other than Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, secondarily. Mate, I cannot believe Damo's just told me he uh, used white bread to make toast. That is, if you eat white bread, like, in any context other than it's the only thing that Bunnings has there for the sausage sizzle, like, you're just a second-rate human. Jesus Christ, Matt, coming out... I would say, you know what, you know what, the bitch on this show is Damo for eating white bread. I asked you specifically not to say it, and you've said it within the first minute. (laughs) Yeah, in the context of calling Damo. I feel like Nick will be okay with me calling Damo a Nah, you're a wanker. I'm I'm bleeping it out. I'm bleeping it (laughs) out, but yes, more of a a two-and-a-half-man fence here today, but that's fine. (laughs) There's too much to talk about, quite <laughs> frankly, and the other fellas all have various work commitments. But who cares? Because what a goddamn tournament right off the bat. This is officially the most attended Women's World Cup of all time. A record that was broken, I believe, in the round of 16. It was broken after... It was, rather fittingly, it was broken at, um, at match number 52, meaning it can be an official... Because 52 used to be the number of matches you had at a Women's World uh, Cup. Uh, and it was broken in the Fantastic. 52nd match, which means ah, that stands as a record. It is bigger than any of the other World Cups in the same number of games. And that's without Fantastic. a final, I suppose, or a yeah. semi-final. Or quarters. Or quarters, yeah. Is it true? That was that just from the group stage around the 16. This tournament was expanded from 24 teams to 32, so you could make that argument if you wanted to, but Matt has just debunked that. Classic Merchant of Hume behaviour, no but yes, 1.77 million tickets I'll, have been sold. I'll just say, if the all games were played in Australia, I think they would have been broken way before that. Oh, but, uh... Disagree. Disagree. All of the New Zealand games have had like 40,000 plus people attending. Uh, that is absolutely false. There are definitely been the grounds in New Zealand who do not host that. Basically, every venue has been sold out for everything. On the whole, uh, with Suncorp and Sydney, we have the two biggest venues in the tournament. 
the Eden Park games have all been a good 40k, but some of the other grounds in New Zealand, I think, are more yeah. like 20,000 in terms of their capacity. But and they have all been sellouts. It might have been the It might have been the Eden Park games that I saw. Yeah. Every stadium has consistently. I think the only crowd. I think England Haiti was just under 40k. I think you might probably look at the percentage filled. Yeah. Stat, and I think um yeah in, I think you'd probably see that. I know. The majority of Australian games have been. Fuller. I think they've both been way, way up there. Um, I know uh, Nigeria Island was a much smaller crowd. That's to be expected. Every other game at Suncorp has been at least around 45k. If not for like the really big clashes, they've all been just under 50k. That is basically as close you can get to a seller at Suncorp without that. Every game, every game at Stadium Australia has been what north of 75k. Every game at uh, the Melbourne Rectangular has been within a few hundred tickets of sold out. It's 40k at Eden Park every time. The numbers are insane. Yes, it's it, the average crowd for games across all 10 venues have, has been 28,900, which is uh, more than 7,000 above the average for games at the uh, 2019 edition in France and more than 4,000 above the historical average at the eight previous Women's World Cups. So... Uh, shout out to uh, Australia New Zealand. I'd, Fans absolutely. are getting amongst it. Considering genuinely my biggest fear, for the, as it was when we hosted the Women's Cricket World Cup about four years back, my biggest fear for this tournament was would people in cities that weren't Melbourne... I never have any real concerns with the Victorians because you're the most sports' best people on the fucking planet. And my joke is always yes, that if you tell a Victorian that there's like an under-11 women's netball game down the road, and they'll go, I'm not really doing anything on my Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I'll check it out. Um, whereas none of the other states are doing that. But, yeah, so seeing Stadium Australia constantly packed out in Sydney, the crowds at Suncourt, my, yeah, my genuine, my, my big fear was, oh, are we going to end up with like crowds of like 10, 15,000 in our huge stadiums and everything but the Tillies games? And it's just going to look a bit, yeah. That's Silly just not man. eventuated. Simply everything, not everything is sold. Every single final, I think, has been just about sold out. All the major group stage games, capacity crowds. It's a lot of so um, like people at work have been coming out to me, like saying, "Yeah, just um, went down to the uh, Women's World Cup. Felt like uh, getting a bit of the atmosphere." Like my boss Jason went to the Germany Morocco game in the group stage just because on a whim he was like, "Fuck it, let's go." Um, Lots of that going on, and, but uh, it's it's contributed to some fantastic atmospheres at these stadiums. And, you know, it's been really good to see. We should probably say the secondary thing of that has been um, the live of oh, the live sites. Like obviously now, like Matilda's games. Yes. Most capitals have three or four major live sites. There's regional centers with live sites, but like all the um st- all the stadium venues, all the official venue cities have a FIFA fan festival. There has always been, even for like the random matches and that, there's always been at least a solid crowd down there. I've been seeing, I know someone who is working, volunteering, I don't know what this ocean means, volunteering at the um, Brisbane Fan Festival site. And every time she's posted stuff up on her story, it's always looked like a really solid crowd out, even if it is for, you know, watching Columbia v. Shout out to whoever. Columbia one time. Hell yeah, Linda. Is it Linda Caicedo? Linda Caicedo. Yeah, Linda Caicedo, the goat. Yeah. So yeah, the numbers have obviously that. The TV numbers, uh, we'll probably get to it more, but basically every single time the Matildas play now in this tournament, it is resetting a record. For heck, not just women's sport at this country, it's now starting to just get into the realm of setting genuine records for sport 
And honestly, after tonight, if we if we win through, if we make the final, I think the final will probably break just TV records, irrespective of what, like historical TV records. Um, certainly for numbers of people actually watching shit in this day and age when no one fucking watches TV. Like, oh, Channel 7 are having a field day, mate. They're, they're loving this. They're, um, uh, like, we've had like, north of five, what was it, like apparently north of seven million or something watch the quarterfinal. Apparently this is, gen- this is generated, fuck, I think it might have been like, uh, they're talking in the billions for the economy or something. Um, well, I was reading reading some the other day, apparently that for the, just for the South Australian government, it's, generated 161 million dollars yeah like this there's always this talk with these tournaments do the like the actual like revenues the benefits outlay the costs and that and i think when you've got to do major stadium redevelopment and things like that maybe not but the beauty of this is none of our stadiums had to be upgraded or anything to be fit to that so all it's done is that there's definitely plenty, so many people from overseas who have come, huge crowd, like the stadiums are definitely not as much thing. I'm sure like if you put 50,000 people wanting to watch an AFL game or a, uh, like a footy game, they would generate more revenue. They're just simply bigger drinking crowds than w- particularly women's football, I think. But they're still, you know that. The one game I've worked, we weren't like, it was nothing hectic in that, but it was still steady. I was surprised and happy with that. And while I know they're not necessarily drinking heaps, they're definitely eating. So the stadiums are making money, ticket sales, just people being in this area. We're generating. We've all, we've all had to pay a few hundred dollars. Uh, you work at Suncorp Stadium, of course. What was that? You work at Suncorp Stadium, of course. Oh, no, but I was more just going, we've all paid a few hundred dollars in oh, right, flights yes. to get to various grounds and that. We will be going and eating at pubs or restaurants while we're in Sydney. Accommodation, all of this and that. Like, uh, yeah, this has done wonders for the economy. I think this has been one of, if not the biggest, like, sporty event success probably in this nation's history. It's been fantastic. Johnny Inventino has been weaseling his way around the nation. He loves it. Loves the atmosphere. On his private jet. <laughs> Did you see Pearl Luigi Colita was at the game last night? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's awesome. Oh, jeez. The celebrities are getting around. I saw the um the boomers, the Australian national men's basketball team, have like pushed back practice matches so they can stay in and watch the games, which is yep. uh, pretty cool. Shout out to Paddy Mills one time. But, um yeah, there's football to talk about. Uh, Spain are in the World Cup final. And, of course, Australia play England tonight at 8 o'clock to uh, get the right to play them in that final. But shall we talk about this Spain versus Sweden, Sebi? Because it was a little bit juicy. Oh, mate. Yeah. What, what, a, what a game in general. But just what a, what a finish to a football. Tell me again how football is so boring, please. Because, oh fucking God. hell, that was electric. Three, three banging goals. Obviously, like, the, uh, the Carmona goal will go down in history as one of the best ever. But, I mean... I don't know if I want to try this pronunciation, but Rebecca Blunkvist's goal was also like, yeah, that was a banger. And uh, Paralulo, I think she's what she's like, she's eighteen, I believe. Fucking hell, eighteen or nineteen, and she's she's obviously currently reigning under seventeen, and uh, well, recently she's won an under seventeen World Cup. She's won an under twenty World Cup with Spain. And she was also the one who scored the winning goal in their match against the uh, the Netherlands. So um, yeah, 
I've got massive beef with her at this point because she keeps scoring <laughs> when I don't want her to. Cometh the hour, cometh the Paralulo. Um, do you, uh, Dan, I'll start with you. Do you think the better team won overall in this Spain versus Sweden match, or did Spain get lucky? I don't know. It was really even. Um, up until, obviously, the 80th minute, or the 85th yeah. minute. And, look, it was anyone's game at that point, and I think just that little bit of quality from the, the Spanish uh, just kind of cut it in the end, and... We uh we saw that um, Sweden kind of came back and got their goal, but I think just that little bit of extra quality that Spain had mm. um, was too much. Yeah, like it's not much you can do. I mean, Mushovic gave it a fair shake to save absolutely, that one, yeah. Also, and oh, she did against loaded. the the Yanks. Yeah, um, but <laughs> I think she she used all her energy up against the Yanks. Yeah, she did. <laughs> Fair enough. It's what we all wanted to see. Uh, but that goal was just timeless. Like, to hit it with that much curl as well just, and power at the same time is ridiculous. Oh. Uh, Matt, I assume you were cheering for Sweden based on your earlier comments. Only ever so fractionally, honestly, if I'm honest. Like, I, I think I would have preferred Sweden. Um, well, see, I was kind of cheering, honestly, a lot of it was just based off who would I feel more comfortable playing? And as, as the match went on, I was like, you know what? Because I, I, I just in well, the question you asked, Damo, I genuinely don't think there was a better team in this. Yes, someone won. I don't think there was a better team. I don't think there was a worse team. Spain didn't get lucky, nor were they at. I think this was a perfectly evenly matched contest, and it just happens to be that Carmona scored a screamer, and that's what separated it. And just the, the quickness of it, like we saw... Um, the official Women's World Cup page announced both the Sweden goal and the Spain goal in the same post because Admin was like, Admin it was just like, Admin can't keep up. Like, had not had a chance to post that Sweden had scored to equalize. Because literally, it was almost straight away. Um, I saw on the aftermath in that, like, a- <laughs> great post. A League memes after Hertig obviously put the header across, came on the stuff, <laughs> yeah. put the header across the Blanc list. And A League memes posted, yeah, Spain must be really hurting right now. <laughs> and then literally seconds later, Carmona scores and Spain's back in front. And I was like, oh. Because I was honestly, um, I think I said it after Carmona scored, where I was like, honestly, I just fucking, I realized I don't really care too much who wins this game. I just want more of this football. It was fucking great. I wanted Sweden just to get an equaliser just so we went to add a time. For once in the tournament, I was actually yeah. like, you know what? So many of these matches, like Sweden-USA went to out of time. I only ever wanted Sweden to win that. That was fucking stressful. Nigeria-England went to out of time and then penalties. I wanted Nigeria to win that. That was stressful. We went to out of time with Spain. Same story. I believe, did the Netherlands-Spain go to out of time? I'm not sure if it did. And so they had a lot of stoppage time in that. Like most matches in this tournament, there has been a clear one that I've wanted that team to win. So if it's gone to added time penalties, you know, it's like, oh, this is too much stress for me to handle. But this game, I was like, you know what? I think I'd probably rather Sweden win, but I'm not all that bothered if it is Spain. I just want more football. Just put this in my veins. <laughs> He's all football. He's all play. football. He lives for it. Uh, yes, yeah, Genuinely, I'm actually it. pissed off I've not made a fantasy Premier League squad right now because, like, I'm so into this. has got me so back into the football mindset that I'm probably not going to get rid of my up to sport when it's done in a few days. I'm probably going to start trying to watch a few um, 
Premier League games, Women's yeah, Super League games my, uh, when that starts you up can, in September. Yeah. You can absolutely still make a team and join. You're just one game behind. So can okay. I? Can I still join the league? I'm fairly certain you can, yeah. Oh, if I can, then I'll probably still get around it then. Because yeah, then sorry, I just hadn't... I just, in, in all of it, I just hadn't even clocked that it was the right weekend for the Prem to start until I yeah. came home after the Matildas match on Saturday night and discovered that my brother was dual watching England, Colombia and Arsenal, Nottingham Forest. And I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, the Prem. Fuck. Mm. Up the up the forest. Yeah. <laughs> Just a quick one. I think Eve Basuma will be a very uh, good value uh, selection. Oh, for uh, what Tottenham? That's the um. <laughs> is that the keeper from Southampton? No. Or formerly from Southampton? He's a central midfielder. I'll send He's a central midfielder. Different, different guy He's gonna win the Ballon d'Or this season. I'm down <laughs> <laughs> And Bostokoglu. Mate, the um, biggest story is who whose curses are winning winning out? Royce not being able to win the Bundesliga, or Kane not being able to win everything, or alternatively, Kane never winning everything and Koeman having never not won a trophy. Uh, this is the biggest win. story in football now. What what Bundesliga? What no, the Bayern don't be do ridiculous. Don't Mate. be ridiculous. The biggest story in football is clearly the rise of Plymouth Argyle through the championship, and you know it. This is right? this is also true. Actually, I think it's Erling Haaland scoring with his first fucking touch of the season. Yeah, everyone who thought that Haaland was going to get soft over the summer, you're all idiots. Uh, Spain-Netherlands did go to extra time. Uh, Paralillo yes. scored the winner in the 111th minute. Yes, yes, because I remember clutch. that match being... Mega stressful for myself as someone who obviously was very much riding, hoping for a Dutch Australia final. Mm. Uh, not be my, it's not. I mean, I sorry, it's been a fantastic tournament, but oh, considering I lost the Germans in the group stage and <laughs> not even have the Dutch make the um semi-finals, a bit like ah. Oh, suddenly I was like, oh fuck, I'm. Um, <laughs> and right. that made, I think for me, you had made, the Tilders to support your dog. Canadians oh no, no, no! But well. at that point, I think that added even more stress for me to um the France game because I was like, okay, if the Tilders go out, then I've actually not got anyone I really want to win the World Cup anymore. Yeah. And I don't know. Semi-finals is just uh, normally by the time we make the semi-finals, there's always one side that I'm like, yeah, I'm still way behind these guys for the narrative, like. I just I would have been early to not have a single team. Um, earlier, I think it was late late in the groups. No, actually, it was the round of sixteen when the attendance record broke. I messaged our yes. group chat saying that this was the greatest ever women's World Cup, and you were like, "Oh no, steady on. Let's wait for the matches to provide as well." Have they have they provided now, Matt? Is this so far the greatest women's World Cup of all time? Look, I, it's it's genuinely not a question that I can truly answer this is only mm. i believe the third women's world cup i've ever watched my first was canada 2015 yeah but comparing it to canada 2015 and canada 29 uh canada France. 2019 baguettes 2019 mm. yeah i think so i think this is genuinely and i think people have probably been watching longer than me are throwing that around and that so i think there is some credence to it i think this really could obviously a big part will be this conclusion if we get a great match tonight a nice play playoffs, and more importantly, if we get, and I think we should, I think regardless of who wins tonight, I think both sides should match up pretty well with Spain, and I think it should be a pretty close match. Mm. Uh, I think all the pieces are in place for it, yeah, it to be. Because um, that, that's probably a big thing. We've seen it in a few of the groups, but since the group stages, apart from the fact that both Group B teams absolutely whacked the group a sides 
there's not really been any one-sided game since those first two games of the round of 16. Yeah, it's been very, very close. I mean, there's been three fucking kneel or draw penalty shootouts. Yeah. But there has been plenty of other games that have yet gone out of time deep into stoppage time. They've all been mostly settled by, like, a goal, maybe two at most. Every game's been on knife edge. Every game's had a chance of result going either way. And the nil alls haven't uh, been, like, dull games either. Like, I remember talking to Damo after we went to see USA Sweden, like, oh, this is probably the greatest nil all draw I've ever watched because the football mm. is fantastic, like, up and down stuff, very entertaining. It's such a dead narrative that nil all draws... Are, you can have a boring nil all draw, sure, but, like, if there's chances in that, if it's a genuinely, if it's not just lack of poor skill, if it's good defending, good goalkeeping, teams are creating chances and that. Yeah. Yeah, like, Sweden... And, like, once you get into the knockout stages, I like I, I think you can have a really boring nil-all draw in, like, a league match, but I think it's almost impossible for a nil-all draw to truly be boring in a knockout match for the mere fact that you're constantly in a state of you're possibly one goal away from a side going home. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. always on that night. Sweden, Spain. It's not Sweden, Spain. Sweden, USA was such a high intensity match because yeah, you're like mm. one goal. Like if I, if the USA had ended a chance, I think it could have become a riot or whatever because they're up. And conversely, you know, in those dying moments of the um, regulation time and the dying moments of added time, if Sweden fucking pops in a goal against the run of play, boom, the USA's gone home. Yeah, that's it, mate. But Mushovic too good for USA, unfortunately, the Chelsea keeper. Oh, if she, Absolute with legend. all due respect to Mackenzie Arnold, mm. if she is not the goalkeeper of the tournament, um, fucking joke. She uh, is incredible, this World Cup. We'll, we'll be talking more about Mackenzie Arnold shortly, but just um, on the Spain team and their journey here, we'll uh, take you a little back to the past here, boys. A little... um. Short trip. What's the Vettel quote? Gentlemen, a short view back to the past. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, this is obviously a team that, like, there's lots of drama surrounding how they got here and, and who's playing for them and their coach, uh, Jorge Vilda. Is it Vilda or Vilba? I believe it's a Vilda. Vilda. Like Bob the Builder. <laughs> Bob, the, Bob yes. the Builder would be less problematic than this bloke. Um... Hold on, my, my article's just frozen on me. Uh, yes, here we go. Emails were sent, peace talks, etc. Uh, Matthew, you're probably the most up-to-date with this story, so take it away for us. <laughs> Am I just the most up-to-date because I was aware of it before this morning? No, my fucking article keeps freezing, so I can't read it. That's fair. I wonder whether you read it. Was yours the athletic article? It is, yes. Oh, we've read the same thing. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> Mine just frozen too. <laughs> no! Okay, I'll start it and we'll see how we go. All right. Let me try Se- refreshing it. September last year, um, 15 identical emails were written by Spain players addressed to the Spanish Football Federation, the RFEF. Um, among those names, like stars, you know, like uh, Aitana Bonmati, etc. We also had three... Uh, additional players show their support without making an official stand, including uh, Jennifer Hermoso and the reigning Ballon d'Or champion Alexia Puteas. Also the captain, Irene Paredes. Yes, pretty pretty hefty stuff when the captain gets involved. Uh, dubbed last 15 plus three, that's what the media have called them. And basically the, the, the emails were complaining about deep-rooted issues that go far beyond the pitch. Um, things like 
um, underprepared training, Vilda not necessarily uh, putting in a whole lot of effort into preparation for certain games. We're talking uh, players taking buses to football matches when planes would have been a much better option. We're talking some very worrying things like a rule being set in that players had to keep their doors open past midnight so staff could allegedly make sure that they were sleeping. Um, weird things going on. Ultimately, the RFEF doubled down on Vilder and, and backed him in. He is still the coach of this team, but you know, we saw when... Since 2015 as well. It's a considerable just, period just of time. Just as a side note, like, we know in professional sport, like, that's a long... Ten- and to be, we'll just say, mm. That's a long tenure for a side that has clearly underperformed until this tournament. This is the first time they made it past the quarterfinals at, I think, anything. It's supposedly the golden generation of players as well. This is, yeah, this is supposedly the golden generation of, of, of um, oh, the Spanish easily. national women's team. There's lots of talent they're, players. They're a big, them and the Dutch, and I'd say maybe even more so for Spain, they're probably the big markers of the ever-expanding growth of the women's game. Obviously, part of it is, I think, going back, even the Women's World Cup might have even used to be a 16-team tournament. But Spain and Netherlands hadn't even made a World Cup till 2015. Mm. Jesus. Um, Spain's never even made a European Championships semi-final before. Like, you look at it, I think, because I actually went through. Germany, only two teams have won multiple Euros in the women's game. Norway's won two. Norway, it's been a long time since Norway. Norway was, like, the power side, but they won the first one or two World Cups as well. They were the power side back in, like, the 80s and 90s. They've never been the same in the 2000s. That they're kind of resurging a little bit now. But Germany's won like seven or eight women's World Cups. Or, I'm sorry, women's Euros of the 13 played. Jesus. Um, they're the absolute power of that. Obviously, Sweden's always been very good. England's always been very good. France has always been very good in that. Um, it's only more recently we've started to see some of the other sides, like Spain, Netherlands, arrive at the party. Uh, Italy's doing a bit more these days. Um, but yeah, I think Spain is the big poster child for like the expand, the ever growing of the game because yeah, they've gone from nowhere to a World Cup final in just over a decade. Madness. Um, there are also things like uh, players would need to check in with staff if they wanted to go for a walk. They would have to show staff their bags and contents in it, things like that. Uh, Damo, how odd is that kind of behavior within a sporting context and how does it make you feel uh just almost feels like they're babying the athletes i mean obviously they're not babies but um like they're adults and they know how to act they know how to prepare themselves uh obviously there's a bit of over management there and um sometimes leaving the players to themselves and letting them prepare in their own kind of ways is uh, obviously the better way to go about it. But um, yeah, it's it's very odd. It's certainly a very odd uh, situation, and obviously um, something must have changed, or something is kind of changing. Maybe there's a little bit more communication between the players and the staff now, so. You never know. Uh, this could be obviously the start of maybe those bonds being um, untied. So, yeah. 
So what's happened is, uh, thus far, the RFEF doubled down on Vilder. They've kept him as the coach, as I mentioned. Uh, he's still there, but they did promise the players less bus travel um, and better preparation. So, for example, they, they arrived in New Zealand to their training camp. Oh, what's the date? July July 8th, 8th I believe. So that's yeah. a good couple of weeks. Were they the team that left because <laughs> don't they found it too boring? In New Zealand? <laughs> too many sheep, mate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no they, they, I think they were staying in like Hamilton or somewhere, like really rural, and like there was That's nothing hilarious. to do at night. So they they said they they pretty much protested and wanted to that. go to another city. <laughs> Just a city. Or a city not, a, for that. not a hamlet with the hobbits. That's, <laughs> that. That's rude. Love to all our New Zealand uh, fans out. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. Very few people from New Zealand listen to our podcast, so she'll be right. Um, Matt, there was also some uh, the fact that I think all 15 players and even the three who were in semi-support um, played for Barcelona, and none of the Real Madrid players th- stood up and took a stand which obviously would lead to some tension. So how amazing is it that the players have kind of come together and put out these performances given everything that's going on? Oh, look, yeah. It's it's such a fascinating dichotomy because there's so much... Like, there is such a strong case to be made that maybe you wouldn't want to see Spain go deep in this tournament because the deeper they go, potentially the more it strengthens Vilda's position. You know, if they'd gone out in the group stage there's a really great chance Vilda, you know, gets the sack. They can start again under new leadership. Maybe things improve in that. But on the flip side of that, it's certainly like, you know, I don't think you can expect the playing group to, you know, tank the performance and that. They've, they're going to want to turn out going that. So, I mean, from what I've read and seen in that, it seems like there's been some decent talks that have gone on amongst the playing group and they've sort of agreed to a bit of a piece for this World Cup. So with the talent available, I'm not crazy surprised that they've gone this far, even with this a little bit hanging over. I think it probably speaks to the professionalism of the playing group. I do, I mean, I hope... And see, I'm also... I'm not going to pretend to be some massive expert. I can only know what I can read from journalists who they themselves are secondary sources. I have no access to primary sources and that. It does, to me, seem like they still do have some level of issue. The playing group as a large whole with Fielder, considering, uh, I believe it was a split. Not everyone. I think some did, but like a significant portion like, didn't applaud him in that at the team's official like presentation back in New Zealand at the start of the tournament. From what I've seen and heard, they've not celebrated with him after either the quarterfinal or semifinal win, which is definitely very unusual to not be celebrating with your manager after something so significant. But the playing group all seems to be at least on the same page in that the focus is on this World Cup and then we'll go forward from there. But I just kind of hope whatever comes out of it, it's more of a, you know... um. The playing group gets some power. If they, if they win this World Cup or whatever, I hope it's more it gives them power to be able to, like, look, we are a playing group that's just won you a World Cup and that we do not like, we are not comfortable with this coach. If you would like, you know, I'm not sure on that. 
Is, do you do you find there is, is this kind of similar to the Alan Stajic scenario? Um, you think? Uh, yeah, that probably because uh, so far in my head, in that I've I've had in my brain like you know obviously you could compare this to like um, monetary related holdouts or whatever because I've seen a few people online in that be talking about like because obviously some players have chosen not to return in that like that's been some of the things so the likes of Bon Marty is obviously the most notable of the 15 obviously all three of the plus three who did not send the email they simply came out in support of it they have all chose to return in that Bon Marty who is in Ballon d'Or contention is the most notable to return and I've seen a lot on X in the last day or so, or well, since last night, basically. <laughs> I thought you were going to call it X, brother. Oh, I saw, just to be clear, I I air, I air quoted when I said X. Just <laughs> okay, <then>. alright. <laughs> um, but I've seen a lot of people like almost like singling out and attacking Bon Marty for her decision to return and that, and saying, oh, she's selfish, she's just chosen to win, do this to try and strengthen her chances of winning the Ballon d'Or. For starters, I just want to say, first of all, like, I hate this narrative we have. Like these issues are never complete black and white, and I hate this narrative we do, where if someone chooses not to protest or like to renege that, that they are somehow like like we should never punish people and that everyone should have a right to protest. Like the players who are still holding out, which notably I think Guajara and um, Leon who are both two of the best players of Barcelona and would absolutely be starters and two of the best players in this Spanish squad mm. had they made themselves available for selection, have continued to hold out because they obviously feel like whatever has changed is not enough. Or possibly it's as simple as they will not play as long as Vilda is manager. Uh, they should be applauded. But if you choose... like your, your lifetime, your window as a professional athlete is so incredibly limited. Hector, look, obviously, Pateas is just coming back from the ACL. There is... So many notable top women's players right now down with things like ACL injuries and that. And that's an injury that you can just never be the same player when you come back from. Yep. Your window as an athlete is so limited. We should never attack athletes for choosing not to be the... If they're, if they're outright... Like if Bon Marty had come back into the fold and then been like, yeah, the players who are still holding out are fucking idiots, then fair. But she simply made the choice of I, I want to play in this World Cup. It's a, it's a World Cup. And to say she's just doing it to win herself a Ballon d'Or, I guarantee you if you asked Ida Atana Bonmati, what would you rather? Would you rather take out this year's Ballon d'Or or would you rather win the World Cup? I think she'd rather win the fucking World Cup and not win the Ballon d'Or. That's it, yeah. It's, it's, it's not. She's not just doing this for self-success. She's doing it because she wants to win a World Cup for her country. It's... Yeah, Can't confirm, a, a... X is just as toxic as Twitter was. Uh, what is it? <laughs> it's so bad. Um, yeah, so it's it's a, it's a an interesting and a unique uh, situation. But, I mean, yeah, I actually think that comparison... Because yeah, that's what I was going to say. I've seen a few people, like at least one comment being like, oh, maybe it turns out so maybe these players holding out aren't as good as they think they are. And clearly the manager was good. And I was like, well, no, it's not like... This dispute was never about the players being like, oh, we're so great, treat us better. Like, you know, give us more money like a pay dispute. It was, we don't feel these are acceptable conditions for us to be getting good results, mm. and in some cases even, like, fair ways just to treat anyone. Yeah. So we're not going to play. It's got nothing to do with their ability. Because def, absolutely, there is no question that Leon and Guajara and that would be playing if they were here. 
and um, who knows? Like Spain could be, could have dominated up to this point rather than getting. Very and that, close that's the thing. Like, yeah, like it's difficult. And maybe Vilda is a good manager from a tactical standpoint and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you've actually made a great example in that because clearly the playing group for Australia had some issues with Stadjic and that, and we eventually made the decision to go with Gustafsson instead. Mm. And I honestly, I think Alan Stadjic is a much better man. I'm still not entirely sold on Gustafsson. Oh God, no! As a manager, I'm, I'm doc. I, I'll stop short of saying if we were to win this World Cup, it's in spite of Gustafsson. But I don't think it's certainly because Gustafsson's some fucking absolute wonder. That it's because we are in our own golden generation of talent. Oh, yes. Yeah. I think I think people would like an actual resolution or an answer to. The whole For sure. Scenario. Maybe um, some journalist in Perth will figure it out. And uh, the, the fact that we still don't know, yeah, yeah, it's still it's still causing a bit of a rift between some Matildas fans because there is definitely something there that needed to be looked at, and nothing has been resolved. And I think with yeah, Alan Stajic definitely needed some sort of praise. And he ha- he need he had oh absolutely gotten good results out of this oh, Matilda yeah. squad as well, so um, yeah I think definitely there there is a uh, situation where this needs to be resolved because I I still have as much as I love watching the Matildas and stuff I think the way that that whole Stadjic situation folded out has not gotten me completely like. Hyped and sold. Uh, it's fair to say, I think, the group in the group stage, at the we, moment, especially lost in Nigeria and the way we were playing before that Canada game, like Gustafson was under a lot of flack, and rightly so, because the, the football oh, yeah. was fucking terrible. Um, yeah. But yeah, lots of praise goes to Spain and the way they've handled themselves, the playing group. Lots well, so, I guess, to take it back to that, like, I'm, yeah, I, I won't say they're winning this in despite of Vilda and that, but just because they win this, just because Vilda has led them to this doesn't mean he should, I think, if the playing group aren't comfortable with him, and that's the thing, I hope if they get the success in that, if the playing group don't feel comfortable playing under him, that the Federation actually mm-hmm. listens to them and that. And even even as I think, like, I think a lot of people, if they like to win this World Cup, and then at least those who were originally members of the 15 were to go back and be like, okay, we're going back to holding out now, mm. I think... They get, but I don't think they should. Like it's it's the World Cup and that you've seen a unique opportunity. To, hey, this playing group, even missing missing some, this playing group is good enough that we could go there and win our nation a World Cup. Yeah. Once you've done that, go back. Okay, we prove that we can do it, but we won't do it for you again until something changes. And that because then they've got now once that's done, they've got a four year fucking window because two years Euros Euros is just as big. With, all Not just as big, but still big. Oh yeah, but with all due respect to the Euros and Olympics, I think if you you, I think you hold out. I think there is absolutely a scenario where you are prepared to hold out through the Euros, but you don't hold out through the World Cup because mm. it's it's not it's massive, but it's not the same level. It's just not the same level. Equally, though, if they win, and obviously I'm not manifesting that I want the Tillies to win, quite frankly, but if Spain do win, it does give them that extra spotlight to be like, hey, we're this good. Um, you know, we have the power now. Like it does give them. That's like, that's a, what I'm trying to say. A that's bit more leverage. Yeah, exactly. They can, they can go. It's... Well, we are this good, but mm. we do not want to play under Vilda. If you want us to have continued success, 
change something. And it's all well and good for the RFEF to, to adjust, you know, travel timetables and, and training procedures, which, you know, from what I've read, is it should just be the bare minimum, quite frankly. But stuff like the leaving the doors open after midnight is just fucking awful. Um, privacy is important. But, um, yeah, shall we get back to the football? Absolutely. Because, you know, despite all of this stuff going on, Spain have put on an absolute, well... Two of the best games, I'd say, of the tournament so far against the Netherlands and against Sweden. Are we? Such are we... an enigma that they that this team got demolished by Japan. Yes, and yet here they are. Yet here they are, killing they it. They saw, and that's it. And it's not to that they got they knocked out the team that knocked out Japan. Yeah, this good, is the this is point. the beauty. Well, not just football. This is the beauty of sport. This is why sport is so great. It's the old rock paper scissors. Because at the point that Japan demolished Spain, they instantly lapped Japan up. I was like, Japan had been the most impressive team in this tournament. They are up there with the favourites. The second the USA went out and Sweden didn't look crazy good doing it, I was honestly like, from that point, I was like, I think Japan is the favourite to win this tournament. And then Sweden, Sweden knocked them out and I was like, oh. And it's come full circle and it turns out Spain, who was probably the team we all thought would top that group from the start, has ended up being the one making the final. Are we all happy to say that the Spain-Sweden was the game of the tournament thus far? In terms of (coughs) drama? uh, Mm. Possibly. I suppose the uh, the 20 (laughs) uh, kick shootout, penalty shootout, uh, would... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> definitely uh, full uh, full the drama, but um, I think for the yeah. sake of just the, the beauty of the goals and the the time at which they came, I would have to say that yeah, that was definitely yeah, the best game of the think, tournament uh, so far. Uh, Til- Matilda's France springs to mind. Sweden USA springs to mind. Oh, best in all draw. Uh, Netherlands Spain springs to mind as well. Um, but I think I'm happy to probably give it. It was such a great game. And it, it's that inherent nature of these kind of tournaments. Like, at a, sev- a 7 out of 10 semi final, I think is a better match than an 8 out of 10 round of 16 game, if that makes sense. Because mm. it gets bonus points purely for the stages yeah, of the tournament. Exactly. And the level of significance. Tension. Like, yeah. I, actually, weirdly. As much as I would have been disappointed, more like disappointed and instantaneously, or like long term disappointed going out in the group stage when it looked like that was a real chance, or had we lost to Denmark in the round of 16, now we're at the semi finals. Losing that, losing the semi finals uh, yeah. will feel that much worse. Even though in three, four weeks' time, all I'll really have is massive pride for what this playing group has done because it's further into the tournament, even though it's maybe further than I thought we could go in the tournament. Now that here, it just it just Absolutely. stings that much more because it just, it just means that much more. We'd gone out of the round of 16, it would have been like, well, fuck, that's underwhelming. Oh, well, yeah. let's just enjoy the rest of the tournament. Now it's going to be really like, fuck, this is like devastating. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I, I think because yeah. it was that good of a game mm. in the semi-final, and as I said, no, I don't think either team was better. I think this was such an even matchup. Yeah, I'm happy to give that game of the tournament so far. And 
before we dive further into the Matildas, obviously, because that'll be the you know the bulk of the uh, final stages here. What about that goal that uh, Carmo's a goal? Is that goal as ornament so far? I said yes. Yep. Uh, fo- closely followed by Linda Caicedo's effort, uh, where yes. she yep, just cut was, inside and curled it into the far corner. That was beautiful. I'll I'll be honest. Various commitments and that I've definitely not seen every goal from the yeah, front like I would have. Absolutely there games, same. There are games I meant to watch the the three minute all the goal highlights from, and I've just never yeah. got around to. But I've certainly not heard a crazy talk from any of them of, oh, that was such a great goal. I've watched every goal in the knockout stages. Um, and, yeah, I think I'm with Damon. I think Kaisado for mine, that solo effort mm-hmm. was goal of the tournament. Up until this, that was just such an insane hit. Such a, Especially yeah, with such the, a the momentous occasion, finish. like, added to it. Like. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Not just because not just it saw them through that. But it was also, it was the mere fact, it was literally, like, with inside of a minute after Sweden has equalised, possibly shifted the whole momentum, and she was just like, no, nah, I'm putting this him on my back. Yeah. I'm going to put that. I'm not, not, not just that. She beat out, I think, the pick of the goalkeepers from this Absolutely, tournament to yeah. do it. Mushevich, yeah. Yeah, like, I think... that wasn't a goal. That wasn't a goal past a weaker nation goalkeeper. Some, you know, yeah, like inferior opponent. Muzovic literally three or four days earlier, all we'd been doing, like a week earlier, all we'd been doing was praising Muzovic for her performance against USA, and she was really good against Japan as well. The Bosnian and heck, she was good. She was good. She was good against Spain last night. And so many stories have been just fucking amazing. Like, Mushevich herself is as a woman who had to go to Sweden because of war turmoil in the Balkans. In Bosnia. Um, yeah. I think she's story of the tournament because she's the only non-bleach blonde player on the entire fucking Swedish yeah. <laughs> I actually think, I actually think, in the weird way that I think, um, if you're good, if you're good for England, you like earn your bleach blonde hair. I actually think it's the reverse because she's not a bleach blonde on Sweden. I actually think that's what gives her her powers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there are some very talented players in that Sweden. English start's been amazing, but there was like that moment against USA in the '88. Oh, that's where safe. They, they, dude, that off the header, like reflex to a right, just insane. Um, which I think would be save the tournament if it weren't for Mackenzie Arnold saving a pen, getting called back because she went off a line, and I'm then saving, saving it, again. it again. With like, all due respect. Um, I, I I don't put penalty shit up. Yeah. I, I don't think saving a penalty goes... I, I, first of all, stuff that happened... Like, I don't think a pen, like a goal scored in a penalty shootout can't be the goal of the tournament. No, I no, but I mean, just in terms of, like... can be either. Insanely awesome moments. Oh, absolutely. Brilliant display of goalkeeping that. But I also think a reflex regulations kind of saving that, which it's always better. Like, with a penalty, it's a, obviously you can do that, but a penalty, you take a 50-50 chance of guessing you go the right way. And if anything, like... And McKenzie had a great... If we're switching to that, McKenzie had a great strategy, particularly... I don't know... I assume it was pretty obvious watching on TV as well, but you could really see it in the stadium and that. To the point, one of the guys I was standing with was actually almost like, why is she doing it? And I was, and I was like, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's a gamble, but it's working. She was committing really fucking early mm. and giving herself just the absolute best chance to cover the whole of one yeah, side of yeah. the goal. And look, if they went the other way, they scored fine. 
But I, because I, my the guy I was standing watching was a bit like, oh, she's going too early. It's gonna, and I was like, oh, look. At that point, I don't think it's not like she's going like before they've even started their run up. They're like in their run up, and at that point, if you're good enough to like, if you're if Mackenzie chooses to yamble to dive to her right, strike his left, the shooter's left, and the shooter was already planning on going left. If they're good enough to last minute switch it up and go for bottom right and net it, fair play. Because I don't think that's an easy change to make when you're already halfway through your penalty run up and you've premeditated where you're going. If anything, if you look to change and switch back to shoot the other side. I think that's setting you up to spray it wide. Mm. So it was a brilliant tactic by her, committing her out. And you saw it with a couple of the ones she did save. I think a big part was because she was already like a quarter of the way across the goal when the ball was hit, which meant she was able to reach out and cover that entire side of the goal. Yeah. Yeah. It- just just massive confidence, really awesome stuff. Like I know where you guys obviously I know where you were, Matt, but where were you, Damon, when you were watching this this game? I was watching it at home. You beauty. Family were getting around it or just With the, uh, Yeah, the family, absolutely yeah. like it's really cool to see. Uh just unites everyone, I suppose. Uh watching your national team at a prime time mm. with your whole family and stuff. Yeah, it's actually really quite um yeah. Well, you mentioned awesome. you mentioned before we started recording that like you've never seen your mum and your sister get behind <laughs> yeah. any sort of sport to this extent ever. Exactly. Yeah. Like even like maybe once with Collingwood last year, mm. uh, with um that Carlton game. <laughs> yes, iconic. But <laughs> literally no no other time, and like so into it. Just real quick, fun and Carlton. I think it just kind of encapsulates everyone's feelings towards uh towards the Matildas at the moment yeah. and um yeah what a what a time to be a football fan and uh obviously this is the best way to create new fans and get people spending money on oh, the yeah. game i literally like on a bit of a tangent here but uh my bar has been absolutely dead pretty much all of winter um, and the game, we, we had like a, a booking come in for the Matildas game and that was easy, easily our biggest Saturday day in, in a couple months. It was great. We had like people removing furniture, getting it out of the way, screaming at the top of their lungs. Everyone lost their voice. People were indeed spending money. Can confirm. Lots yes. of rosé was sold. Uh, we're selling a lot of rosé as well. It's weird. weird. Ours is a can and I don't know why anyone would want to drink it. <laughs> Scrub that out. I probably, probably, probably not allowed to officially say that. No, <laughs> shush. FIFA, Johnny and Pantino is going to track you down, mate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's actually one thing because obviously you're one of the few people I actually haven't talked to you about your penalty shootout experience. And that's Sean. I, I am hoping. I obviously knew you'd be working, mm. and I figured and hoped that I'm assuming you weren't serving anyone fucking alcohol during that, and you were just standing glued to the TV screen with them. Dude, so I was working alone. Um, not ideal, but we had, yeah, a full house upstairs. They weren't coming down for drinks during the shootout at all, as they should. But I was watching it on the screen downstairs, and yep. there were two moments, I think in, like, like very late on, like maybe eighth or ninth pen taken, where a couple comes in, and I'm like, fuck, all right, uh, I'll go and serve them. They were like, no, 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 we're just here for the game. Is the game one? I'm like, yeah, yeah, come Good, with me. Good, because I was like, all right, with all due respect, mate. Hmm. It's a private establishment. You hold, you reserve the right to refuse service. And you should never refuse service to someone for ethnicity, sexuality. But if you want to fucking buy a drink in the middle of the single most important yeah, sporting right. moment in Australian history, <laughs> fucking deport it. Get out of my country. And then literally, literally like, 
Courtney Vine stepping up and two people come in and they're like, um, hey, do you have a uh, Chardonnay for sale? And I literally gave them the, the one finger pause, like, yep, get to you in a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I have whatever you want for sale in, in maybe the next yeah, 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, but not now. <laughs> exactly. Because, yeah, I had, a, I had a bit of that during the match. Like, it would be, I think it'd be very amusing to um, talk to my supervisor from my, my bar ship. I fucking love Nikki Gray, but it's the first time I've been at work with her in well over a month because it's the first time I've worked a World Cup game. And, you know, she was, we were both very proud. I was pleased to be working and being that bar with her. She was pleased to have me back. But I was like, I hope you know that, like, after the first half of this shift, once the game starts, I'm not going to be a fun colleague to have. Like, <laughs> I'm standing down one end of the bar where I can best see the TV screen at the top of her ass. I'm basically glued to it. And I'm just like, actually, every time she comes in, how you doing? I'm like, stressed. Stressed. <laughs> Dude, oh, my night. heart. My heart was pumping to such an extent. And, yeah, in the second okay. half, a few people did actually come up and like come to me to be out, and I was, I was like, I'll serve them back. But I was a bit like, oh, to be honest, by the second half, I was almost like, you know what? I'm kind of glad. Just, just give me a little break from watching this TV screen because I yeah. don't know if this stress is very good for me in that. And then obviously, yeah. um, when we did start to close, like we stayed open. Obviously, typically they were closing about seventy fifth minute, but obviously in the nil draws and that they've stayed open until either a side scores to go ahead. Mm. Or, so you've got to keep yourself open to go into added time because if it goes to added time, and we actually had a pretty good. We honestly, arguably, had our busiest rush of mm. the whole night in that gap between full time and the start of added time. Uh, and we Naturally. stayed open all the way through our stuff. We basically, the second I literally had my area come up and was like, okay, so Maddie, the second the second half starts, put those doors down for me. And I was like, yep, no worries. So I was like standing out there as that. And I literally had to turn a few, like I was there, like closed two rollers, had to leave two rollers open for the people inside the bar to go out to the registers and pay in that. But like the security guard was standing at one of those and I was standing at the other people and I was like, no, mate, we're closed. No, no, we're closed. I can't keep letting you in because if I let one person in, yeah, and I go to the next person, I was like, no, nope, we're closed, mate, go, fucking leave. And once I got those down, I started cleaning, pulled the game up on my phone because I could no longer watch the TV screen. Just sort of sat there, had it on my phone. Obviously, if, if something really big had happened, I would have heard the crowd scream way before it happened on the Optus screen. But I was like, yeah, want to be able to see whatever it is that does happen cleaned had that up and that got through that and basically right as i was finishing and signing off it's about when the whistle went and so i went i was like all right i'll take a bin downstairs i'll see that headed down took our bin down headed downstairs went to the break room and was honestly i was like uh i'll probably just sit down here watch the penalty shootout because i'm not gonna go anywhere i'm obviously not gonna not watch it and it just happened for whatever reason i stuck my head out of the break room quickly and happened to see one of my workmates, and so I sort of nodded him over just to have a quick chat to him. And he was like, oh, yeah, I saw that. And he was like, oh, well, I just saw um, Carl, who's like our boss. You know, Carl and Craig are up in the concourse watching the game. And I just went, all right, well, if management's up watching the game, I'm just going to walk upstairs. Yeah, <laughs> Watch yeah, it. Thanks. Bumped into Carl and that. And yeah, literally, I was like, oh, are you going to get mad at me for, like, going up here? He was like, no, I'm you know, if you want to watch the game, watch it. And so literally, like, I was up there on the concourse... Uh, I was standing near one of the areas that I'm good friends with. I was standing, uh, spent a lot of it standing in the outlet of, at the entrance or the near enough to it with um, her brother, who's one of the supervisors who I know, another guy from his bar. I could see, yeah, everyone. I could see my direct boss. I could see the head of retail catering. I could see the person who's in charge of our pause, another of that. Apparently, the general manager was just around the corner from me. Like, everyone is out on this concourse. 
there was I could see so many random. And I think any other scenario on that would that, but this was such a big moment that no one cared that we were still standing there watching. There you go. We've got, got the it. entire Suncorp Stadium Society dropped on the podcast. <laughs> Shout out to Sunny. Cool. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's crazy because that's it. For me, that is genuinely. That's, I've done a lot of a lot of things, but I've been to a lot of different sport. I've watched a lot of sport on TV. You know, I was there for that the, the women's cricket final we went to in a nearly packed uh, like eighty five. Yeah, Katy Perry shout out one time. So yeah, yeah. So eighty five thousand at the MCG and that that was awesome. But genuinely, I've never never experienced anything like this. So it was like a forty nine and a half thousand crowd or something at Suncorp. Honestly, with how many of people I was there. I'm going to round, happily round it up. It was probably pretty bloody close. There was like 50k of us there in that yeah. stadium riding every single penalty. Like, I was up the first couple of penalties. I was stood right up on the railing, one of the railings of the concourse, watching them. Like, uh, we saved, fucking screaming my head off. We scored, mm. screaming my head off. Then they scored, or whatever. Then Catley missed, and I kind of mellowed then because suddenly you come back down, and you're like, oh, God, it's back to one all now drop back a bit and then basically once we hit to that knockout spot it was just literally like they would score i'd be like oh oh it was insane i literally i had multiple non-sporting people come up to me and like hey i'm now a sporting fan i'm a sports fan now like officially i'm completely committed we hit back we we scored i'm literally there screaming myself hoarse fucking or half running around the concourse Made, made some random fucking friend as well. Literally just the last couple of penalties I was watching stood next to just some random member of the crowd. Like, this is the most stressful thing I've ever done. I can't fucking do this. This keeps going. I can't do it. Um, yeah, and that McKenzie. Seeing those Mackenzie Arnold saves live. Courtney Vine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not going to call her the hometown girl because she's, she's not from Brisbane. But, you know, she was born Brisbane in Shepparton, actually. Hey! Yes, but uh, Brisbane, a Brisbane <laughs> world player, you love to see it. Uh, probably the unlikeliest of heroes as well, with all due respect. That'd be ridiculous. I don't think she's had the best World Cup up until now, but none of that matters because she scored the fucking penalty that put us in the semi final. Oh, easily so player of the tournament. Player of the tournament. Oh, absolutely. I told you. I told you. Sam, Sam Kerr, who? Sam Kerr, most irrelevant member of this fucking squad. Overrated. Um, we'll get to that uh, shortly because that calf is still troubling her. But um, yeah, Courtney Vine, player of the tournament. But in all seriousness, uh, I'll go to both you, Damo, first. In your opinion, who has been the player of the tournament thus far, oh, in all shit. honesty? No bias. No bias. No bias? No bias. Ah, oh, shit. Um, it's kind of hard not to go past... Oh, I want to say Russo. Yes, an actual Brizzy girl, Haley Rasso. I had her written down as well. No, no, after... Russo. He means the no, English Bruce... girl. Oh. Yeah, Russo. Which I think is the worst take ever. She's so shit at football. She's horrific. She's and... done fuck all. And with an honourable mention to uh, Katrina Gori. Ooh. That girl runs. Honestly. And uh, Mary Fowler. Fascinating takes from Damon Sarah. Mary Fowler's been <laughs> man. Uh, she really uh, has, but she, she's honestly she's, been like incredible. She's been a lot. God, I saw her. I I agree. She's had such a great tournament. Um, oh. I think she relaxed a little. I think she had too much time to think about the one against France. Yeah, that's the only one I'm going to crazy. And it was still a great piece of defending to get that block in. I think if you're talking Aussies, like Fowler has been amazing, but I think Ford and Rasso. 
Um, yeah, nah, very good. Uh, there's too many. Honestly, there's too many people, too many players that have been outstanding performers. Mm. But when I think of those players that have been outstanding performers, I'm thinking of the players that have helped them look really good. So Fowler has been an absolute live wire, like connecting play yeah. and, and setting up lots of chances. But, oh, dude. Like, just on Caitlin Ford, like, the, the, the work she puts in, not just offensively, but defensively as well. Like, she's made as many goal-saving tackles as she has oh, created yeah. chances. It's been really Jeez. awesome to watch. She's been overtaken, obviously, in recent years by Rasso, but, like, Caitlin Ford was my favourite Matilda when I first got into women's football, and she's remained right up there uh. for a reason. She's such an energy... It's the same reason I like Rasso. She just plays with so much energy. Like, I think you and I have probably got a unique perspective, Jashan. We were there for easily Australia's worst performance of the tournament, the Nigeria yeah. game, and I think we could probably both agree, really... There was only one person on that pitch I'd give a passing grade to that game, and that was Hayley Rasso. Yeah. She was the only, she has run her heart out. Every, I think she was close to, if not our best, against Ireland when we didn't look great. She went to war with Katie McCabe, which I think is the best way to play her, mm. and she won. She was the only person who I think genuinely put it all, left it all out on the park against Nigeria. She scored two against Den, um, not against Denmark, against Canada, and I think was probably the best in that game. She scored again against Denmark, and while she probably wasn't the best in that game, she was right up there. I still think she was good against France, although I've definitely not been able to see as much footage of that, so it's harder for me to comment, but she still looked like she was well involved. She's just put maximum effort into every single game. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think for me, in terms of who I would have as the best tournament so far, I think, like, early contenders with someone like Alinda Caicedo, I think has been incredible yeah, for Colombia. Yeah. But it, to me, it probably boils down to someone from this final four teams, in which case I think Mazovic has been the best player for Sweden. Oof, nice. I think Lauren James was in position to run away with it. Yeah, for before the, the stomp. <laughs> until she decided to stomp on a Nigerian player yeah. right in front of me. Well, such a unique perspective. That's obviously ruled herself out of it. I don't think anyone else from England has been anywhere near a runaway star performer for them. Russo. I think I don't think she has. I think Russo's <laughs> missed. I think she's done a lot of uh, the two times I've watched her, she's massively underwhelmed me with her ability to really do anything if I'm honest. I thought England's best sort of player had been I uh, Lucy Bronze has underwhelmed me as well as Tona. I think Hemp has been their answer to Rasso. I think Hemp's just played with a lot of energy. Yeah, Ra- Rasso as well for me has been, yeah, spectacular. But Lauren James had it locked up in the group stage. Like, England were struggling and then James... So does she miss this down. game as well? Yes, she, yes, she is not playing tonight. If they make wow. the... She will play in either the final or third place playoff. She got a yeah, two-match yeah, yeah. ban, but she is out for tonight. And I do think that leaves a big hole. That, in that, that, yeah, that, that, that is a big her. chance. The answer I'm going to give... And hey, this this circles back to our early conversation narratives. I think Spain's best player has been Bon Marty. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and I think Spain. she's the one, which also I think will all but seal up her Ballon d'Or, considering she won the Liga F Champions League double with Barcelona. Mm. Um, I think she's probably been Spain's best, uh, and I think that puts her in a really key position because. Yeah, well, there's no way Muzovic is going to win it as a goalkeeper from potentially finishing third. Again, Lauren James has cost herself two matches. That's too much to overcome. 
Uh, so I think player of the tournament comes from Spain or us, even if we only finish as high as third. Uh, but I think that's the thing. I think, yeah, I think so, Marty is probably in with the best shout, and we'll see. Uh, there is concerns. I think Rasso, Ford, Gori, all of those, I agree, absolutely in contention should Australia make the final and perform well. So we've got Damo with Fowler slash Gori. I've gone with Haley Rasso. Matt's gone with Bon Marty. And what about on the other side? Uh, I'll do biggest letdown of the tournament thus far. Mm. Is it just Megan Rapinoe and that penalty? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> who, who have you got, Matt? It's the Germans. Numbers uh, one yeah. they didn't, they didn't Germans. make it out of their group. It's the Germans. Right? Mm. Um, and with all due respect, obviously, uh, Germany's one of the few teams I definitely did watch all three of their group games. Oh, I actually three. didn't think they were that bad. They weren't, but... They weren't, but they just... they At the end of the day, they've got to do better than getting the job done. Like, they came out and they smacked around Morocco. Yeah so ruthlessly and yet they went home and Morocco progressed because I was okay at the end of the day I was okay with the loss of Colombia I thought they did brilliantly I thought they deserved with the amount of chances they created I thought that it was deserved the penalty that they got to equalize a backup and coming out of that with a one-all draw I thought was perfectly fine and obviously a little bit of I think it was yeah you know Colombia then nabbed the late goal absolute devastating for me I also think Pop missed at least one A-plus quality chance that she probably should have put away that would have had Germany in a position to be in front. And then if Columbia get the second, it's a draw on that. Not being able to achieve a winning result against South Korea at the end of the day, simply not good enough. Um, so we got uh, Rapinoe, Rapinoe, and Germany from Matt. Yeah, I mean, like, absolutely, Rapinoe. Like, we were there, Damo, and we'll talk about yeah. the games we've been, obviously... Very can, briefly. Can I ask for an explanation of specifically just rap? Is it Rapino just for missing that penalty or her? <laughs> no, no, she was terrible. That, like she, she came on, stanky. took every dead ball, hit every dead ball either out or into a player, and was yeah. just just her missed. corners were terrible. No, I know I agree, but I'm just I just don't think. I think you're playing too much off Rapinoe's leg. Like, there's a reason she... Oh, that plays into it, tournament. of course. That plays I, do, I don't think Rapinoe's the player that she was. Even... Just, so I, we'll I take, take USA stars. Morgan was underwhelming this tournament as well. <laughs> I know, she didn't score. I had a pick for the golden boot. I know. Amazing <laughs> yeah. stuff. You love to see it. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Um, Sophie Smith was solid. So you know was who Rodman. was good? You know who was good? Mm. Trinity Rodman. <laughs> yes, Trinity Robin was fantastic in that game. Literally, like we're there. I'm sitting next to Damo, and I was seeing like Damo pick Rodman as player of the tournament, and I pick Sophia Smith. And we're, but every time either of them touched the ball, was like, oh, it's Rodman. Oh, it's Smith. <laughs> yes. That feels like such a catter of me at the England game, and obviously after seeing the Reese James interview or whatever, where he or someone called um, Lauren James the best in the world. Every time she touched the ball against Nigeria, and she wasn't that great even before getting sent off, but every time she touches the ball and just doesn't do something great, I'm there in the crowd genuinely just going, best in the world, best in the world, gets sent off right in front of me, oh, best in the world. <laughs> she was truly fantastic in the guru stage, though. Shout out to Laura James once. Oh, just absolutely. Stepping she on people. was so huge in um, their second and third games of the tournament. Yeah, but Love, I think... Uh, Michelle it's... Alozzi's energy on that... Uh photos yes. as well <laughs> just like what the fuck is going on yeah 
Um, I, I think it's easy to to to, to name Rapino as kind of the um, I guess uh, what's one bigger head the scapegoat. The, the scapegoat, yeah, the scapegoat. Steady on their demo, Jesus Christ. Because literally, <laughs> like even in the in the in the stadium, right, the crowd was loudest when Rapino touched the ball oh, every single time. Um, whether they be boos or cheers from the USA guys. Uh, we were in the Sweden side, which was a bit awkward because, like, as I was leaving, I looked at my Atlanta Hawks jersey and I was like, you know what? I can chuck that on. Why not? So I rock up to the Sweden side of the of, of the football pitch wearing an American shirt and everyone else is obviously wearing yellow. Like, two of the people we were with, shout out to Nick and Eddie one time, uh, used to work at Ikea. So, you know, like, they're obviously biased. But I was definitely alone in my, um, yes, Matthew, I was supporting the USA during this game. I was a US. <laughs> were, you, were you actually were you actually genuinely wanting the US to win or just unintentionally because you had your horse jersey on your towards I, I the end, I, Towards the end, I was just loving the good contest. But at the start, I was definitely Team USA. Um, Can you explain why? Just felt like it. Uh, but also, Sophia Smith was my pick for to play with the tournament. She's not going to get it if they go out in the ring. That, that's, uh, yeah, uh, that's the one reason I'll expect, accept, mate. Just got to got to have Absolutely. the podcast predictions look good. Yes. <laughs> I will accept that. They definitely missed Rose Lavelle, I think, in that game, who obviously was suspended after two yellows in the group stage. Mm. Um, I think that hurt them. That's very fair. Potentially their best current, like, current star. Um, that left a big hole for them absolutely uh, Damo just real quick yeah. like how did you find the experience obviously like not just a World Cup knockout stage game but a World Cup knockout stage penalty shootout it was awesome yeah uh, I think my obviously uh, we had a late pull out um, from the uh, yeah. the yes. uh, <laughs> shout out to Matt and his, his flu that doesn't go away yeah um, Thankfully, so the World my, Cup redeemed things for me. <laughs> I got to see my, two penalty shootouts. My brother Michael, shout out to Michael. He'll Hell be yeah, Michael. Um, got the benefit of that, and he said, "Well, that was probably one of the best um, games of any sport he's attended." Mm-hmm. And he just said he's got World Cup fever and started looking at the uh, the tickets for the I think the Colombia and uh, who was it Colombia and. Someone game, England, England yeah, at uh, Amy Park. But um, I don't know if he found a ticket or not. Uh, but yeah, he said he loved it, and yeah, I, I have to agree as well because yeah, the there's just something about watching a game with obviously uh, international fans and um, everyone else there, and obviously being USA as well, mm. uh, huge team, first first third in the world, and it was just an awesome, awesome experience to be a part of. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. The atmosphere was awesome from day dot. Well, from from yeah, minute, just the entire time. Minute yeah, it was dot. Fantastic. Minute dot. Well, exactly. until you came, which was about the twelfth minute. But yeah, I was running uh, a bit late due to um, <laughs> various reasons. But I was definitely getting some um, some side eyes and some uh, sometimes comments from the Sweden fans to shut the fuck up, which was totally Good. fair. <laughs> totally yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mate if i'd if i'd been able to make it i would have been giving you the comments to shut the fuck up i know i think i would have had much less fun if you were there matt um it was fantastic but yeah uh probably a positive result in the end that sweden got through and mushevich had definitely won me over by the end of the game there absolutely awesome stuff but um how about yourself there matt obviously you've been to a few games we we went to australia nigeria and england haiti in the group's 
you went to to England, um, Nigeria in the yes. 16, and then obviously got to stand up on the concourse for the penalties for Australia, France. If I had a dollar every time you said the word concourse in this podcast, I'd be fucking rich. <laughs> Mate, it's the word of the day. <laughs> yeah, the podcast what's... is brought to you by the number seven and the word concourse. In terms of games you've attended, I'm gonna write out. I'm gonna write off the concourse for this one. What's been your Absolutely. favorite experience? Oh, it's got to be England, Nigeria. Mm. That was. Again, that was it. I was definitely. I was. Whilst I felt that I did make the right call, ruling myself out at the last minute to travel down to Melbourne for USA Sweden, I was obviously extra gutted that I couldn't go when A, Sweden won, and B, it was, you know, penalties. And then I went online and I was like, oh, the shootout was down the end of the stadium you were all sitting in as well. Yeah. Fuck, that would have been really cool. It was awesome. England, Nigeria went to penalties, and the shootout was at the end of the stadium I was sitting at. So that was kind of instant redemption for me. I was like, all right, I'll still go that. Obviously, I didn't get the results I wanted, unlike USA Sweden. It was still really cool to watch. It was a very unique thing, seeing Lauren James lose her head, literally again. Like, not even just, like, down our end. She was probably, like, in terms if you draw, like, a, a line out from the stadium like, from the stands into the field, no more than, like, four or five seats to my right at most. And, like, we were in row three. So, like, we were fucking close to the sideline. We've had some very good seats for these. Very, very good seats. We've literally... So, I've said the three games I've gone to, I've sat row five, row seven, row three. Um, Obviously, we're much further back for the final, but who cares? It's the World Cup final. But, yeah, these games I've been at, I've really, I've always been a sit further back kind of person. I don't know why. This has really changed my perspective, at least for something like football. I'm like, oh my god, it's so cool being that close to the ground. Uh, and splitting the wall right now. Uh, do you prefer sitting close to the ground or further back in the stadium? Let's take it away. No, would not be <laughs> dead going into that right now. Yeah, it's 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 been brilliant, and I guess we can use that to kind of talk more on the Matildas because yeah, we went to Australia, Nigeria, in, up in Brisbane, up in Suncorp, and that was like at that point in time when that game finished, I was like, we're fucked. The football is oh, trash. There's no I, way we're doing anything. I thought the like the only like genuinely, my hope was the only thing that was sustaining me was I was like, Canada's not looked very good either. Mm-hmm. So it's a battle of which underwhelming side can join Nigeria in the knockouts. But going beyond the knockouts, if it was us, yeah, I was very down on things because we didn't look very good against Ireland either. We were lucky no. to get a, the win there. We we looked really we really struggled the first two games, and it was yeah that real feeling of oh, this team can't do anything without Sam Kerr apparently, which yeah. it's not the case of what it should be because this playing group is more than good enough to succeed without Sam Kerr. But it felt like whatever way the way we've structured the team, we just lost without it. Yeah, it felt like, uh, yeah, I think Damo was the one with the quote that Gustafsson's the man with no plan or whatever, but like, like, what did you make of the tactics early on from the Matildas, Damo? Again, it was almost, as I quoted, uh, yeah, I was like, man with no plan, slash, just go out there, vibes, uh, mm. smash it up front, just get either Kerr or Ford to run in behind, uh... It doesn't honestly, work when Sam Kerr's not playing. Exactly. And I honestly don't think we've really gone away from that too much because it almost looks like we're just belting it upfield and kind of just getting it to the wide players and playing on the counter. But it's obviously working. 
to an extent. But uh, imagine if we did have a game plan. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine if Tony. Imagine if we did have. The man who's been on the staff for two of uh, the America's World Cup wins actually had some element of tactical nous, if only. Yeah, honestly. I think one thing, I think definitely the way we do play, um, and I think you kind of saw it against Canada particularly, and even Dan's demo when we finally did hit the front, if we score first, I think it leaves us in a really good position because once mm. we score, that forces other sides to start to come at us which then leaves them more vulnerable to the way we play with those counter-attacks and long balls. Until we score, if sides want to, they can just leave more people down there and we play a long ball, but it's like, okay, Caitlin Ford's in a one-on-three. What the fuck's she going to do here? Yeah. But the second we're in front, they can't just keep those bodies back there. And then, you know, once we got one against Canada, we very quickly had four. And once it, we had one helps. against Denmark, it didn't take too long that we had a second. Yes. And it helps that despite that Nigeria game where there were two goals, I'd say pretty much wholly due to lack of communication between goalkeeper and defender and just a goalkeeping error. Like, Arnold's been great apart from that. The defense as a unit's been fantastic. Carpenter, Catley, um, fantastic. Like, it's it's a strong defensive unit. What a, I was actually saying to my brother, I think, yesterday, what a, what a strange narrative. That, so we've only conceded three goals the whole World Cup. And they all came in that mm. yeah, sorry yeah, yeah, strategy, yeah. which is a genuinely terrible defensive display. But aside from that, we honestly looked so rock solid at the back. Every Claire, game. yeah, Claire Hunt and Alana mm. Kennedy. But I think Claire Hunt just needs a little bit of absolute. You know, you know praise. what? Just just when we were discussing those players, because you threw out the name Mary Fowler, I honestly think if particularly if we win this World Cup, but I think Claire Hunt. Deserves to be in the discussion for the young yeah, player of the tournament. I exactly, think she has yeah. been our best young. She's been better than Fowler for me. She has been our best youngster in is the it, tournament. Is it under twenty five or under twenty four for best young player? I do not know exactly. Or it could you be under twenty three. Are you about to tell me Claire Hunt's older than I think she is? She's twenty four. There you go. Mm. Give it to her anyway, because she's barely played any international football. And she yeah, absolutely, I did not even know who she was. I, I'm she, gonna, she was I'm the one definitely... in the starting lineup for me. I was like, yeah. I'm, I've not actually heard of this person before. I still live in a past fantasy of missing Laura Alloway, um, who was the centre back <laughs> along with Kennedy when yeah, I first started watching. Wow. That's a, that's a shit from the um, past. Yeah. Or just you know, you assume that Polkinghorne when healthy would start. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Polkinghorne's never getting that spot back as long as Claire no, is healthy. No. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been so impressed. Very, very impressed. Yeah. Carpenter's been great. Um, Catley's been, been very great. industrious. Uh, we say that Tony Gustafson has no plans or tactics, but when we were losing against Nigeria, he moved Alana Kennedy <laughs> and he scored. That's all I'm saying. And then, the, I'd just like to point out that the Dutch, the Dutch stole that tactic against um, Spain and it almost worked. They went 1-0 down after a degracked, um handball, which gave away a penalty, which was definitely a handball penalty, but oh, I felt sorry for her because it was millimetres away from her hand being outside of the box. Um, they moved out of striker and she scored, like minutes later. Yes. So Tony Gustafson literally making such great tactical decisions that other <laughs> nations are copying us. It worked for us too. Uh, Kennedy scored, right? 
Yeah, that was my point. Yeah, he moved yeah, it up. Yeah, Kennedy yeah. scored. It was totally not from a set piece that she would have been up there from anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because yeah. she was a striker. It worked 100%. Exactly. But yeah, that defensive unit will need to be at the peak of their powers tonight if we are to triumph over England. And I think we'll get into that now and then wrap it up. Ah, the ashes, but in football. Fuck. Yeah. I am so juiced for this. Like, it couldn't be more perfect, but also couldn't be more tenuous. Like, I don't think I've ever been this nervous in my entire life. Uh, of course, only to be trumped if we win and go to the final. At which well, point. yeah, that, that's my thing. I'm like, I don't think I've ever experienced or will ever experience anything like the um, quarterfinal. Yeah, Unless exactly, we're in the right. final. In which case, that's going to blow it instantly out of the water. Yeah. So, obviously, England <laughs> will be without the player of the tournament so far, Lauren James, uh, for them, which is a huge win for us. On our side, look, we've we've... Played well, but it's fair to say that there might be some fatigue coming in. Players like Gorry and Cooney Cross, Russell and Ford have been putting in absolute effort. Have, and you, have you guys seen those stats? We comfortably have used the least average of players. On, yeah. on average, least yeah. amount of players. On average, our substitutes are only playing like, we've only used like 19 substitute minutes or something per match. The next team is like 40. Um, and that's, that's kind of been my feeling about this side the whole tournament. Is I just they're not I'm not saying they're bad players, but part of it's been the beginning of that there's just not a lot of depth. There's no uh, I so I actually I'll be curious to hear your two guys taking that. Honest, if she is a hundred percent guaranteed, if you can promise me she is so healthy that she can play hundred and twenty minutes plus stoppage time plus penalties, no question marks. Sure, start Kerr. But if you're not convinced she could play to the end of added time, I'd rather her come off the bench simply because that gives Kerr coming off. I think Kerr coming off the bench to be a spark after Van Egmond's done the hard yards in the first half, I think works better than if you have to sub Kerr off halfway through the first half of added time and all you've got to bring on is Van Egmond because she's just not the same layer of impact player. Yeah, but at the same time, you mentioned that you know when if and when we go ahead, that puts us in such a strong position. Like, surely you want your best players out there to get that chance when it comes, and maybe oh, she yeah, but... slots that chance that Mary Fallon missed against France, and we don't have to go through that whole well, penalty drama. Yeah, she still absolutely. But on the same token, than that, like, I also I'm more to the point. Like, obviously, yeah, but I want your I want your best players there. At the end, like I get that situation, but I guess in my head, we may fail to go in front because Sam Kerr is not on the field. But I do believe that we're not going to go behind because she's not on the field. So back that defense. I'd rather Sam Kerr is there in added time, like she was against France, than if she has to get subbed off because she can only make it seventy-five minutes before the calf is starting to worry her. Uh, I, I think that's um, playing it a bit too cautious for my money. I think we have to go out and attack. Um, and well, the other thing is, if you saw literally the second she came on against France... Stop tapping your desk. Through, she won at what? Stop tapping your desk. Sorry. She won a foot race. She set up and Hayley Russo almost scored a goal from that because she's just got way fresher legs. I just... I mm. like it because we need to have something that can come off that bench and impact... He's stabbing his impact. No, that time it was my phone. Stop. We need to have something that can come off that bench and impact that. And the only other way you can do it is you don't start Fowler. Otherwise, we just... No disrespect to any of them, but even like Kaya Simon, if Van Egmont's back to the bench because Kerr's starting, whether it's Courtney Vine, 
Luke, Wheeler, whoever of them, just none of them scream out at you, yes, this is a player who absolutely turns this game on its head. Sam Kerr is that. If she cannot play a full distance of a match, I'd rather she's there from halftime onwards rather than from the start to the 104th minute. I, yeah, look, I, that to me screams of like we're playing with the expectation to go to yeah, gonna, time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, We want to be playing to mm-hmm. win in normal time. Exactly right. That's, I, I would be... lean on the side of Kerr starting. I don't know what you think, Damo. Yeah, I think so. If she doesn't um, score, I think it doesn't matter. I think she just, yeah, she has to be on the, the pitch. But, uh, oh, look, I won't be surprised if she isn't. And I, I probably... Well, again, I still have this question marks. I don't even know if she can play 90 minutes yet. Yeah, exactly. That's right. So... I don't know. I think it kind of actually helped that she came on late. It kind of gave us a little bit of a, a boost. And obviously being there for the penalty shootout was massive as well. So, mm. I mean, I, I just, yeah. I'd rather get 75 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand. Minutes Sam Kerr. It has worked so well without Sam Kerr so far. So, mm. um, yeah, I mean, there's that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That is fair. It's going to be interesting. England, of course, have won... 36 of their last... Sorry, have not lost in 36 of their last 37 matches. The one loss, funnily enough, came to us. So, you know... We won 2-0, didn't we? Yeah. In England? In England. So, you know, there's hope. There's Absolutely, there's hope. Oh, absolutely. They... Honestly, Nigeria was the better team. England mm. should have gone out against Nigeria. Nigeria was the better side. They made the better chance. Frankly, they were the only team that actually made good chances. Um, Plumtree nearly scored a very similar sort of goal to Bon Marty, and if that had have snuck in in that first half, I think Nigeria wins that game. I don't think they looked crazy good against Colombia. Mm-hmm. Um, they're absolutely a side that we can go toe to toe with. It's going to be awesome. We shall see, but that's probably wraps it up for the the preview, especially since we are approaching an hour and a half. Will you boys oh, yeah. be watching the game tonight? No, I'm not going to watch it. I, I, women's football's not that interesting. Wow, Peter Dutton's on the call all of a sudden. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not quite game to shake... Well, to be honest, I can't go to a live site because I've got work too early tomorrow morning. But I'm not game to shake up the routine and do it. But no, I will be there. It will be on, on the TV. I will be screaming my head off the whole fucking time. Uh, Damo, I believe you are going to a live site. Possibly, yeah. Possibly Ooh. could be headed off to the Shepparton Showground. Uh, Ooh, very nice, apparently, very nice. they've got a site set up there with some uh, some food trucks. Yes. So, yeah, <laughs> will it know. be will it be a chiros or a burrito bowl, Damon? Yeah, we're not sure yet. Ooh, we're keep us updated. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I may not may not head out there. But uh, if I do, that's where I'll be definitely. What about you, JBV? There's the whole squad, like you, you, Nick, Gibbo, you, yeah, you, Nick, Gibbo, and like Steph and that. Are you all heading to a live site somewhere together? Or? Uh, the squad's going to Amy Park. I'm going to the bar. Uh, we've booked out the top room at the bar there, so I'm going to be there with uh, 20 or so people, and we'll be watching the game and getting what fucking into it. What a betrayal. He's picked his work friends over his friend friends. Unbelievable. Well, I was asked first. And I agree. Up, to fair go to shout. The you know what? You snooze, you lose. Exactly right. That's exactly just poor right. planning from Nicholas Brazier. 
<laughs> nah, much love to Nick and Andy and, and the whole team there. But yeah, I'll be doing it at the bar. Uh, the fellas will keep us updated live with uh, how it looks over there at Amy Park. Allegedly a sellout already. It's going to be fucking spectacular. Fingers crossed it all goes well. But uh, yeah, I think that'll wrap us up for today. It's been a fun pod. Lots of chat, lots of concourse, lots of burrito bowls. We love to see it. And just real quick before um, I say my last words, uh, some of the, the huge benefits coming out of this tournament, as we mentioned at the start, has been economical. Economical? Yeah, economic. Economic. There we go. Um, and just the impact it's going to have on, on football and women's football moving forward. For example, Sydney FC have already broken their women's membership record two months ahead of the season starting which is awesome to see, and recently this story dropped literally yesterday, but the Malinowskis Labor government will be um, committing $28 million to dedicated female sporting facilities, which is... Wasn't it 18? Uh, well, according to Football South Yeah, there's Australia, $18 million dollars in total, and like there's obviously uh, a chunk of that is going towards the air. So oh, yeah, parts. I see. The header says $28 million, and then the first line says $18 million. Probably not. We won't get into the full discourse, but uh, definitely prefer the investing women's sport to the declaring a public holiday. But uh, let's be real: eighteen million, massive underinvestment. That's still not good enough. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that is it's... massive tokenism. Just oh, that sounds like a big number. People, are like, oh, that's yeah. great. You can you could afford. That's and a start. Investing. That's, and that's so that eighteen million dollars isn't just to football facilities as well. That's just yeah, it's just across all sports. So yeah. it'll probably mostly end up going to this like isn't that. Ten it'll probably end dollars. up going mostly to you know AFL cricket stuff. That's like right. That. Yeah. How much is football actually going to see? I think ten million is what was said. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is a start. Hopefully, the other governments um, across all states follow suit. They'll definitely things. catch on. And realise that the public holiday is probably not really worth yeah. it. I'd much, I'd much prefer Stasia, um, yeah, put some money into, particularly women's football and football in general, but any women's grassroots sport, than yeah, give everyone a Monday off. Um, mm. In saying that, bosses around the nation should absolutely be expecting lots of people to work from home. <laughs> yes. Wait, are you team Dutton on this? Are you, are you team uh, not a public holiday, Matthew? Um, or just purely compared to don't like to to raising funds. Yeah, I don't, to be honest, I don't. Yeah, or I don't like that, but I understand that it, the public holiday and a last minute public holiday in particular that's putting a lot of strain on certain things. So I certainly not going to be like hard line. I mean, frankly, I think this would be warranting more of a public holiday than the death of a monarch. But <laughs> it can cause so much chaos for particularly small businesses and things like that. There are. Like, have a massive, you know, have parades for them in multiple cities or things like that. Come the up with something, the weekend you know. Or, yeah. Fucking, heck, if we want to, down the line, have it be a fucking public holiday every year. Fucking, you know what? If the Matildas win the World Cup, that date should become the new Australia Day. Ha! That's where we move Australia That's Day quality. to it. We yeah. have Australia Day in fucking August or something. When it's freezing. On the day the Matildas won the world stop cup. tapping your desk bro no i will keep tapping my desk to emphasize the point <laughs> every syllable is being tapped this is ridiculous this is honestly beyond the pale but i right. just want to say um just to wrap up uh, i think the the crowning moment for me so far has been the mcg crowds and the mm. afl coaches 
making a beeline to watch the Matildas penalty shootout yes. on their phones. I think that mm. pretty much just transcends everything, uh, like Code Wars, everything. Yep. Uh, this is not just about Code Wars and um, stuff. This is about backing our national teams regardless of the, the code, regardless of anything. That there is room for everyone. And we just need to find an environment where everything can get along. And in that case, everything will start to prosper. And I think we've seen that where the Matildas are beginning to cut through into the mainstream. And this can only be a good thing for the longevity of Australian football becoming more popular in Australia. So... Long may it continue. The AFL, it's the organisation, I think, let the side down a little bit. Absolutely. Just not by pushing the kickoff back to display penalties and that. But the AFL public, Mm. absolutely. There was, you could tell, I imagine there was honestly probably more people on the fucking concourses. Sorry. (laughs) That's what I mean. Because they they left it on on the the private TV screens in the MCG. And honestly, those those. Those concourses were packed with people. There's probably more people out there than actually in the seating bowl watching the game and that and things. And that is genuinely incredible to see. Hearing one of Jashan's mates, Ryan, yeah. saying almost no one left the um, the Gabba after the Lions game when they then put it up on the big screen and that. Is, I, I've genuinely... I have never seen... Um, any, I mean, there's that footage of the, that flight where just about everyone had the penalty shoot out on as well. I've and never seen anything. <laughs> and... you know, shout out to the one dude who watched Lord of the Rings. You know what? I can't even criticize yeah. this. But yeah, I've never seen anything unite this nation the way... And I think this is a long-term payoff. For, for a long time, the Matildas and the women's cricket team, but particularly the Matildas, have kind of polled as this nation's sort of favourite sporting side and most like relatable sporting side. And I think now we're actually seeing it. Like, that wasn't some fucking, you know, left wokeism or anything like that. With all due respect, and all, like, I think it was deep soccerism, well, but even with all due respect to the soccerers, I'm not even sure they would unite the nation the way the Matildas have. I've never, never seen anyone collectively have an entire nation come around them like this. It is genuinely insane. Yep. And this is what sport should be. Sport should unite, not divide. Well said, fellas. Good stuff. Matthew, you need to buy a stress ball because that tapping is driving me insane. <laughs> but this has been the four-man wall. Thank you all. Uh, appreciate it, fellas. Good podcast. And just uh, a headline from The Chaser. Dutton caught frantically Googling men's Matilda's team. That's good stuff. Good also, idea. shout out to Barnaby. For yeah, absolutely. Had the wrong Barnaby Joyce. Love Iconic. that. Iconic. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Deuces, deuces. Andy's only a size eight. I've seen his feet. I didn't, I didn't like that he charged me, Gordon, but I've seen them. <laughs> Fun facts, that's what Andy's doing tonight. He's taking foot photos to sell for his side hustle.